Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. Church, you did a beautiful job in presenting the message of Jesus with the greenery, with the scripture, and with your families. I've been able to speak to a few of you that I know personally and share my gratitude to God and to you. And I guess for those of you who don't know me and I don't know you, I want to tell you I'm blessed by people who are in this place today that's crossed my path. Your father, grandfather, grandmother, and many of you. First time I ever <laughs> preached a revival, Brother Allie Murphy was the pastor, this man's granddad. He married my mom and dad, and now here I am after all these years. Brother Murphy's gone, dad's gone, your dad's gone, my dad's gone, but the one we served is still on the throne. Who we're blessed, folks, we're blessed. I'll be sharing a scripture today in the book of Philemon. Philemon is a little book next door to uh, Paul's writing of uh, Hebrews. In the book, it deals with sin, and sin's created such a problem in the world I discovered it. Paul discovered it. Have you discovered the problem sin causes in the world? And <laughs> Paul knew that the solution to the sin problem had to be in Jesus, not in man. He was living in a sin-cursed world, condemned. He was a sinner once, you know, before he knew Christ. And as we look in the Scripture this morning, uh, Paul is... <laughs> uh, living in sinful conditions, and he himself is in jail at Rome. And he takes some time to write a letter to people like us and to churches. Uh, you know, it's amazing to me in all of Paul's writings, he never did say, woe is me, I'm in jail again. And I tell you, the food's bad, and it's noisy at night, and you can't rest around here. Woe is me. None of this is in, in Paul's letters. Hey, have you ever written a letter? I mean, <laughs> not lately, because that's past. Letter writing is over. Uh, have you ever received a letter? I'm old enough to tell you I've written some letters by hand, and I've received some, and I've kept some of them. Have you? And so Paul is in prison now, and he uh, meets a prisoner and the prisoner is Onesimus, and Onesimus was in jail because he'd stolen some money from his master, Philemon. And uh, as, as they talk together in this jail situation, Paul <laughs> preaches Jesus to Onesimus. Isn't it great? Uh, a preacher and a sinner get together. A, a saved and a sinner get together. And, and so... Onesimus believes this gospel Paul preaches, and the sin debt was settled. Has your sin debt been settled? 
Uh, who settled it? Now, you know, I'd love to have heard what all Paul said there in that jail to Onesimus that day. But I think Paul could have said, now I want to tell you something, Onesimus. Works won't save you. It takes grace and the mercy and the love of God to save you. And you see, if you try to get saved by works, you keep asking the Lord, now what like I yet? What else must I do? You see, if if you believe works saves you, it's kind of like believing that uh, you can clean the fish before you catch it. You see, you have to be caught in your sin, accept that sin, and come to the one who can cleanse you from all sin and unrighteousness. So Paul is writing a letter like to a friend, Philemon, but it's also a letter to churches like Bethlehem and you and me today. And Paul has many things to say uh, about his life. Did you ever read any of his letters? He's always telling you about that Damascus road and what happened. Did you ever have a road where you met Jesus and he forgave you of sin and accepted you and you believed him as Savior? Have you ever talked to anybody about it lately? Isn't it amazing what we talk to people about? But does anybody know about the day and the time you came to know Jesus as personal Savior? And and Paul, I know preachers, they just talk about everything. And poor old Philemon, uh, Onesimus, there is no telling what all Paul talked about. Uh, Paul may have said, you know, I'd like to tell you about something I've discovered. All things work together for good to those who love the Lord and to those who are called according to his purpose. And Onesimus must have said, but you're in jail and you can say that. Can you say all things have been working together for good in your life? Do you know who works it that way? Do you trust him to work tomorrow what you can't see about today? All things really do work together. Now, Paul could write this and say this and know full well that he had a problem in life and for three times he besought the Lord. Lord, I'm coming to you about this thorn in the flesh. Now, I don't know if you know what that was. I don't. But it was something bothering Paul and he asked the Lord three different times to remove the thorn in the flesh. But it never was removed. But you know what the Lord said? My grace is sufficient for you in all your troubles. And this man, Paul, kept right on living and preaching in a sinful world. And he would write letters. I have one of his, some of his letters. You've heard of I just must tell you about what he said. Here is a letter to the Thessalonians Paul wrote. It's in your Bible. He said, I give thanks to you, Thessalonians. You, I keep you in my prayers. I remember your work of faith. I know about your labor of love, and I know about your calling and election, and you became followers of me in the Lord because I patterned my life after the Lord. Will you pattern yours after him also? This gospel we preach is with power and with love. And then there's another letter I found that Paul has written to the Romans. Uh, You could say it's to Bethlehem. Let's listen to it. He says to the Romans... I thank God for you, you and your faith. I speak about you often, and my thoughts are for you. I have mentioned you in my prayers last night, and I pray that you that I can come to you soon. <laughs> Sounds like a preacher, doesn't it? <laughs> I come to you soon, the Lord willing. 
And he said, I'd love to see you and share with you personally. Dear people, I know you're gifted. And my desire is for you to be established and rooted and grounded in the gospel. And I have no desire that you be ignorant. He's writing a letter to me and you. I want you to be wise. Wise as a serpent, harmless as a dove. I want you to give attention to God's word and his message. Don't you think Paul's pretty good on writing with a pen and ink? And here we are reading it, and it's good for us today as it was the Romans or the Corinthians or the Colossians or whoever he was writing to. In Colossians chapter 1, to the people of Colossia, uh, Paul says, You saints, isn't it wonderful to be called saints, children of God, heirs of God, joint heirs. And if you're saved, you're a saint. I know sometimes you don't think you're living like that, but you should be living like a saint, like a call, like a blessed person. And I pray for you. Uh, I hear about your faith. You think anybody hears about Bethlehem? You think word gets out about your trust and faith and your faithfulness? Sure, it gets out. And I know you have hope. And that hope had its origin in the gospel which was with God and his power through his Son. And I know about that hope. And he says, uh, I know about your fruit of faith. And the mystery that has been revealed to you, you know what it was? The mystery revealed to you that you believed, here's what it was. God was in Christ. Christ can be in you. And you can have hope of glory. You know where I'm going? Uh, it's already settled. The sin debt settled because I trusted in Christ and asked him to come into my heart. And he says, you know, I have full grace and assurance of you preaching the truth. And now then to this Philemon letter. You thought I'd never get there, I know. Uh, Paul, you see, is writing to Philemon. And Philemon is a wealthy believer who's had... (coughs) a slave of his, steal from him and flee the country. So uh, Paul's identifying himself here, and he says, you know, I'm just an ambassador for Christ, and I'm just a servant, and I'm just a prisoner, uh, a fellow worker, a dear friend. And then he says to the Philemon people in letter, My dear beloved friend Philemon, grace and peace and love be to you. I thank God for you. I hear about your faith and your love and your good works. I know about your effectiveness. Your love is there and real. Now, Philemon, I'm going to be very bold with you as I write. I'm going to tell you about Onesimus, your slave. I know he stole money from you and He's in jail here with me, and I've preached Jesus to him, and he's believed, and he's now profitable to me. Will you take him back? He's no longer a threat. He's a brother. And I think (laughs) Paul must have said, P.S. Philemon, I know now why I'm in jail. Do you know now why you're here? Is there a reason for you being where you are? Do you see yourself this morning as a peacemaker or a troublemaker? 
Here's Onesimus, who was a troublemaker, and here's Paul, who was a peacemaker. And everybody has the opportunity to be one or the other. You can cause trouble, or you can deal with trouble and help the troubled person. Now, just suppose, sometime last week, somebody did something bad to you. They hit you on the cheek, and you said, I'm going to hit them back. Uh, suppose you've been overtaken in a little bit of a sin situation lately. Uh, how's God going to deal with that? How are you going to deal with it? Now, I tell you, I wouldn't have sinned had it not been for the devil. About anybody can say that. But isn't there somebody greater than Satan in the world to help us when we're tempted and tried? You see, Saul had been a troublemaker before he met Jesus on the Damascus Road. You know the trouble Saul did under his power against the church and Jesus Christ. But look what happened when Paul, Saul, met Jesus on that Damascus Road. He got changed from a troublemaker to a peacemaker. What are you today, a troublemaker or a peacemaker in the world? I'd like to ask America that this morning. You see, uh, I've never had anybody steal much from me. I never did have too much. But how do you think uh, uh, Philemon would respond and get this letter from Paul after his slave had stolen from him? And he'd been good to him, but Onesimus had stolen from him. Will I ever get even with him? Hmm. How about vengeance? Somebody did you wrong. You just wait. I'll get you, buddy. Uh, Personal bitterness is a danger. You remember, please do remember, vengeance belongs to the Lord. And when somebody wrongs you, don't you think you have to set it right? He's the one who overlooks it all. Things were pretty bad in Sodom and Gomorrah. You remember that? Oh, I don't want to tell you too much about it. It looks just like America today. And, uh, you know, Abraham was in the midst of this situation as a righteous man, and he could see the effects of sin, and somehow he knew what was about to happen. You know what was about to happen in Sodom and Gomorrah because of their sin? It began to rain one day fire and brimstone, but not until a righteous man had already pleaded with them and they'd rejected, and then Lot and his wife and sons and daughters started out, and I don't tell you what happened to Lot's wife, but you remember it, I'm sure. And she looked back, and there's a lot of folks don't have any hope to look forward. It's all looking back. Let me ask you, do you look back on where you've been and say, I love it there, I want to go back? Or do you believe there's something a little better out there that you've never seen yet that he's promised us because of his love to us? You see, nobody really that I know of questioned the flood and said, God, that wasn't fair. You ought to give them a few more days. And he'd already given them 120 days. Look, how much time does a man have? It's going to be a flood. And the folks... Didn't believe it. Well, uh, how much different are we today than that? Uh, You know, we really think we're going to get it better. When? And who's going to do it? You see, we're looking for the betterment in man instead of God. 
And when you think about all of this sorrow and this sin that's there and how it's going to get better, and did, did God need to give an apology to the people of Noah's generation or to the people of Lot's generation? I'm sorry, boys. I told you this is going to come, and it came. And God won't, you know, he doesn't have any advisors on what he's going to do. Do you know what God's up to and what he's going to do one of these days? This world's going to melt with fervent heat. And you can talk about <clears throat> saving the earth if you want to from whatever's about to happen because we're using too much of this or that. Who's given this and that? Who's the giver of it all? Who'll take it all? And, and we're just like people have been before and said, I don't think this is going to work that way. I think we can get out of it. But nobody can question God and his mercy and his vengeance. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. And if God took care of sinful people in Noah's day and Lot's day, let me tell you, the same God's on the world's throne today to take care of the world's situation. Sin always has had a power on man. And Saul of Tarsus explains it clearly. He said, you know, I was really a mean man, but the love of God and Christ Jesus and his grace reached me, and it changed me completely. You really believe that's what folks need today in relation to their sin situation? Jesus, blessed Jesus. You see, wrong won't be made right by man. Wrong is made right by the Lord and when Onesimus hears the gospel from Paul and says, you know, you're a new person now. You're forgiven and cleansed, but you've got to make it right. On And Philemon, will you take him now as a cleansed sinner has been unprofitable to you, stole from you. Now he's profitable to me, and I want you to receive him back as a brother. That's what the church once did for me. I was a sinner, and, and I wasn't profitable. And the Lord saved me, and I became profitable. And therefore, I'm blessed today. So Saul's sins were forgiven and cleansed, and he was made useful. And that's what happens to every sinner who comes to believe Christ Jesus. Saved, the sin question settled. And the scripture says it's by justification of faith through Christ that we have peace with God and we're justified by grace through faith, through him, not of works, lest we boast. And so Jesus is the sinner's peacemaker. He revealed love to a man called Saul and Saul was a threat to everybody. But oh, what happened when he met the grace and the love of Jesus. Isn't it wonderful what the saving grace of Jesus does for us? What it's doing for us. We live by grace and faith. So God is able to make good come from evil. And we just don't hardly see how that can happen. Well, let me go with you again to the jail. It's cold, it's damp, and Paul meets a new friend. 
who was really not a friend, but he said, I want to tell you about my friend Jesus. And as he did, this man who didn't know Jesus and didn't know God's love through Jesus listened to a man who did, and he was saved. Do you have anybody out there that's not a friend of Jesus and you are? Have you ever in your lifetime ever introduced some of your friends to somebody else and said, it's my friend, Murphy? Have you ever introduced your friend Jesus to anybody? Have you ever told anybody what Jesus did for you? That's the power of the gospel. You don't have to be in jail to do it. You have to be bold and not ashamed. And so Paul said, you know, I really feel that I'm qualified to write Philemon a letter. He's been wronged by a slave and he probably has vengeance in his mind and heart. I'm going to get him. I'm going to get him. But it all changed when Jesus came into his heart. You know, the toughest thing we have to do, friends, is love our enemies. And America sure has enemies. People don't love us. Wonder why? Is our faith real? Are we as close to God as we say we are? Do we love Him like we say we do? Or is our word stronger than our actions? But God is able to do what we can't do. He can reach the sinner if He could have reached, and He did reach Saul. Don't you tell me He's not with reaching power to every sinner that you know. There's a purpose for you being here. And you're not in jail. You're free to share your faith. This next week, you will be in touch with people who don't know Jesus. <laughs> you sure will. Why? You don't just run around with people that's saved, do you? Don't you bump into people that's lost, don't know a thing about Jesus? What a season and time to begin sharing what you know about Jesus. I, I just feel like I'm qualified to tell you he saved me. And he can do the same for you. You don't have to be like a preacher. You don't have to sound like a preacher to tell the gospel story of Jesus. And here's Paul's letter. The best I can read it. You be sure and read Philemon. It's just a little short book. He says, Dear Philemon, this is Paul, and I'm in prison at Rome. And while here I met your runaway slave, Onesimus. And I know he stole money from you, and uh, you're troubled by his sins. And I've preached Jesus to him, and he's repented and believed Jesus. And I call Onesimus my brother now. And I know he's been unprofitable to you, a thief. Uh, do me a favor. And receive him as a brother. Count him as profitable. Forgive him as Christ has forgiven you. Isn't it wonderful that you sit there and say, He's forgiven me. I know I'm saved. Why do you know this? He revealed it to you. Do you know somebody who doesn't know Jesus like you do? Do you think that Somebody needs to hear you say, I want to tell you about the time I met Jesus. That's all Paul did. <laughs> Wasn't he a blessing to God? 
And at first, when he first got saved, you know, the church didn't really want to believe this. They said, you don't know this man Saul. It would be like going to see him be like a lamb going in a lion's den. He'd get you. He's been killing us. And and I said, now, behold, he prays. He's a different man. I'll tell you what, when Christ gets in your heart and in your life, you're a different man. Uh, Paul said you're a new creation. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. You see, <laughs> many people just talk about temporary blessings. I just want to tell you, you're looking at a permanent blessing. What he did for me, it won't ever get weaker. It won't ever diminish. I won't ever be in fear of Death and hell again. Physical death, but not spiritual death. You see, <laughs> he reconciled me to Jesus. He made me accept the fact that my sin debt could be settled through Jesus' words and love, and he would save me. That's called reconciliation. That's called being made right with God in Christ Jesus. And therefore, since he reconciled me, he gave me the ministry of reconciliation. I don't have to be a troublemaker. I'm a peacemaker. I can help you get right with God. You can say the same thing to your friends if you have Jesus in your heart. Now, you don't change them. You just tell them about the change that came to you through your response to the Lord Jesus Christ. Saved a reconciler. He can change you. He did this for me. And Jesus did settle the sin question to Onesimus. And he settled my sin question. Did he settle yours? Can you really say, I'm blessed because of Jesus. He loved me when a sinner. He saved me and he loves me as his servant now. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. The sin debt's settled. I don't have to worry about it, having to deal with it again. It's settled. One day Jesus will say to the Father, uh, Father, this James Jones boy, receive him into your heaven because he asked me one day to come into his heart and repent it and believe me. And for this, Father, you just let him come right on into your glory. Now you'll have to read that King James real close to get it, just like I've interpreted it. But my name's in the book. Is yours there? Oh, the sin debt's settled. Jesus took my sins and my sorrows and made them his very own. And yet today our world needs to be reconciled to God. Can it happen? If it doesn't happen, what's going to happen? The same thing that happened to Noah's generation, the same thing that happened to Lot's Sodom and Gomorrah, and the same thing that will happen to this world when it melts with fervent heat. Let's stand. You've been so gracious and kind today. I want to thank you first for hearing God's word and for listening to me. And then I want to thank God for his spirit and presence that you've shared with me in this place. You've made prayer requests, and you've asked the Lord to touch them. You've prayed for your pastor and the man who fills in when I'm not here or when I was 
that I that was supposed to be here. And now then you got another fellow you know that I need prayer too. Pray for me.